0: Blog TALK RADIO
1: Good morning everyone, this is Susan Wingate and I am your host of Dialogue Between the Lines where we talk about fiction, fiction, fiction every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time you, you can find Dialogue at my website at SusanWingate.com. And you can find Dialogue on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. And um, just, you know, check me out. See what I've got going on and all of the great uh, authors and publishers and agents that I'll have on the show um, that are upcoming. Again, that's at SusanWingate.com. Today, I want to get started Uh, right away because we have a short amount of time this man happens to be busy i can't imagine a publisher saying that he's busy but apparently john robb of suspense magazine um is a busy guy and uh justifiably so he he has uh, a magazine that he started in 2007 and they they thought that there was a need to have a platform where all authors could showcase their work um it's he states on his on his site, it's tough enough to write, but selling your books is like climbing Mount Everest without oxygen. You can find John Robb at suspensemagazine.com and at Facebook and Twitter as well, and LinkedIn and all of those social sites. I am not going to take too much time on um, the intro part of this. I'd rather just welcome you, John. You're on the air, and I'm so happy that you're here, and I know you are crazy busy, so um so tell me what's what's in the what's in your uh wheelhouse today
0: Well, Susan, thank you so much for having me on It's great to be on this side of the microphone being asked the questions instead of me asking them, which is something that Jeff Ayers and I will do tonight on our show beyond the cover we're having a roundtable with John Land and Allison Brennan. Uh, the four of us are just going to talk about publishing and writing and not really about their works, just about the industry in general, so we're trying to figure out this crazy world i mean you said 2007 i go oh my god has it been 10 years already Jeez. so yeah uh, yeah it has been a crazy ride i mean we were just talking up the air i mean it's the amazing journeys that we've been on and the people that we've been able to you know meet and speak with and and talk with and pick their brain um you know we kind of talk fiction in a non-fiction way to try to give people the truth about you know what goes on into books and publishing and how it is i mean because it's not as easy as what everybody thinks. I mean, sure, it's easy to publish today. Anybody can write anything. They can put it in Word. They can throw it up on Kindle, but then try to get people to read it. um, That's the big challenge, and I think that's where we all kind of sit, and that's kind of where, why we started our magazine in 2007, was to give every author kind of a voice to showcase their work and to try to let people see it, because Everybody knows the big authors, when you walk into Barnes & Noble, you see them all the time, the John Grisham, Patterson's and the Custlers, but it's the people you don't see when you have to go search in the stacks and search in the shelves, and you see names and you're like, oh, you know, this book looks interesting, but you're not really sure who the name is, so you might be a little bit um, you know, cautious at throwing your money down and, and only getting somebody that you really know, so it's trying to get those names out to fill bookshelves, to get you know, people to discover more authors. That's kind of where we, um, you know, built this uh, magazine from. And then the publishing just came on the other side because we found out that there's so many great writers that either lost book contracts or just couldn't get book contracts. And, and we found that, you know, there's some older writers that have a lot of backlist, like one of our authors, Paul Kemperkos who was the first to write with Clive Custler and actually got him to the number one um, on New York Times with uh, Polar Shift. And he's the one who started the Pneuma Files, but he had a whole back character that Kessler had in his book called so- Socrates, starting with Cool Blue Tomb. But he was, I mean, we literally had no digital files on this, and Shannon had to type every single one of his manuscripts into Word to be able to publish yeah. them in the Kindles. No. Yeah. So I mean, that, yeah, because he didn't have it. He had no idea. I mean, so these are twenty, twenty-five year old books. That this is the this is the character that fell in love with, and said, "I want to have this as a first spinoff from Dirk Cussler." And so then they started writing the Pneumophiles. and so it's just amazing. And it, you know, we kind of pinch ourselves to kind of say, um, you know, is this real? And then we pinch ourselves to say, why are the hell are we still doing it? Um, because it can be frustrating at times too. But yeah, it is. It's fun.
1: Oh, it, it it sounds like it's fun from your side of it. It sounds like it's fun. I know it's fun from my side of it. Um, I it, but to go to something that you had mentioned there, you know, it's it's the it's becoming read. It, it and I was speaking with Steve Bennett of AuthorBytes.com. They they do websites specifically for uh, writers and and um, mm-hmm. and their websites are fabulous. James Rollins ha- Rollins has one. Um, Gosh, Lori, Lori King, uh, Lisa Unger—they—they they have all of these top-rated, um, you know, authors out there, and they're working on mine too. And what he was saying—the key thing was that you have to get found first before you yep. can be read. And so that's what their focus is—is is to uh, hone in on um, on ways to bring that limited. Dollar by the many readers that we have out there to you specifically. So um, that'll be an interesting show you have going on last or t- uh, later tonight. And what what is that one? Who who all is in there?
0: Yeah, so it'll on be the John Land. Who? Yeah, so it'll be so it's Jeff Ayers and I. It's our show that we kind of do every other right. Tuesday. Uh, Jeff is a massive booker reviewer, and he's picking the thriller Fest. And I mean, the guy reads faster than anybody I've ever seen. He can read a book in three hours. Um, oh my goodness! And then of course we have author John Land, who his you know his Caitlin Strong series is really big. He has another book out now with Heather Graham called The Rising. And then of course oh, wow. Allison Brennan, um, yeah, you know, and and everything that she has going on. And so you know, so we have two great authors that are kind of in the same genre, and but they're kind of on different spectrums of where they write because you have a woman thriller writer, which has. Uh, complications there because I mean a lot of men and you know Karen Slaughter and I had a great conversation about this a lot of men just kind of you know look at a women uh, fiction writer and you know a thriller and be like well they can't do that and so they kind of already get stigmatized to losing kind of a fan base and yeah. you know they have to overcome that and it's really terrible that you looking at the author but that's kind of why like J.A. Jance and some of the others put initials on so people really right. don't know if they're a male or a female um, you know, and I feel bad that that had to happen, and I think that it's great that some authors, you know, were able to kind of jump into the realm, because before, if you look back, a lot of them had to start writing romance, you know, like Nora Roberts and like right. Heather Graham, you know, those pioneers, and they were able to cultivate the way for the authors like Patricia Cornwell to just jump right in and write, you know, um, thrillers and, you know, kind of break that fold, so... And and those are the kinds of discussions that you talk about, because there's a thing that you don't really get. You you know, you wonder, like, why doesn't Lisa Gardner, you know, do, you know, she's she not a bigger name? She sells a lot of books, but it's like because she's a female writing in a crime and, you know, some men just won't get it. And it's like, you know, it's terrible. But, yeah, so well, it should be a I, great conversation you, we have tonight.
1: And don't you feel, though, that that might be changing a bit, especially with um, – you know, the girl on the train with Paula Hawkins the girl on the train. I mean I think that that grabbed a lot of it, a, a lot of um justified attention. I did. Um a female protagonist, um, you know, yeah, and it they grabbed with gone girl. It,
0: and yeah, it gone Falling. girl. Yeah. So
1: these are the stories that are grabbing that other that other gender uh of reader uh rather than just a, a, a woman's book getting women readers i think it's interesting to watch this sort of thing as well it's it's fun to see that you know women can write as gritty as a guy and so it 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 is a little frustrating from the author's standpoint that we don't have perhaps that same um amount of or quantity of male reader but i think that might be shifting a bit with the advent of the upmarket women's thriller coming on
0: well, if anybody doesn't, you know, I mean, look at Lorraine Bobbitt. She cut off her husband's penis and threw it. I mean, I, I was a woman who did that. It mean, wasn't a guy who did that. I mean, they can be just as diabolical and devious as the things that they have to do. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that and I'm glad you brought up, like, you know, Girl on the Train and Gone Girl and this, because the one thing now that you see is if we go to the bookstore, it seems like a girl is doing something somewhere now, and it's yeah. like that's the yeah. trends that you're seeing. So you have to, and that's the one thing that that I don't like about the publishing business, um, you know. And, and I'm also the person, and I'm frank and I speak honestly, you know. From my perspective, this is my perspective. I was not a fan of Gone Girl. I Was not a fan of Girl on the Train. I was not a fan of the writing style of, of those books. And so when I see the trends, basically you're trending because of the sales, but you're not trending because of the good writing. You know, you're not following the guys and the girls who can really, really write great stories, you're following it because it got it got a lot of sales, like Fifty Shades of Grey it was horrible writing. It was terrible, right. and it was almost unreadable. But it kept going, and then you saw all the spinoffs of it coming out. So, you know, I always tell people they have to be careful um, and read, and, and, you know, read synopses or things of what the author wrote and see if you like <laughs> their writing, um, and, because sometimes – you know, and I think that's where good authors get get lost because there's some garbage out there that people are selling. I guess the story is interesting, but the writing's not good. And people only have so much money, and you can only you know. And if you're going to spend it on somebody, you're not going to spend it on somebody else. Um, right. Uh, and that's one of the challenges that we have you know that we have to face
1: and that's what steve Bennett and absolutely that's exactly right that's is a challenge that we have to face that was what mm-hmm. that's the core idea of what Steve Bennett was getting to that um you know you, you, you they're either gonna buy this book or or that book that book. but you know i have to i have to talk about the fact that you know we know because we're in the business what what is good writing and what is not and that sounds arrogant i hope it you know I, I, that's not what i'm meaning but we we study the craft where we should be considered experts in the field of writing and um we are at at a certain level i think that readers don't come to stories of thinking, you know, is this quality writing? Is this was is this going to last the the test of time and become True. great literature? I don't think they do that because I think they just want to get home from work, throw open a book, and just get lost. And so, whatever the writing is, although you know they they expect a certain level of good writing and few errors mm-hmm. and and uh, typos and that sort of thing, but but honestly, I don't think. That they are looking at the quality of the writing. They're looking for the speed, the um, character, you know, grabbing, getting grabbed by Mm -hmm. the character, and then being taken away and led somewhere other than their their life as it is, whatever it is that for that moment. Don't you agree? Yeah,
0: I do. And the one thing that I think that I like to challenge readers are this: it's like when you read a book, count how many coincidences you find with the main character. Do they need a cell phone and just happen to find one? Do they need a clue and they just happen to get it at that time? You know, there's no work. And I think that that's what I mean by bad writing is that the authors are being very lazy and they're using technology in a way that it's not really useful. When you see that on CSI, you know, like, uh, the show that we had crime and science radio with Doug Lyle right. and Jan Burke. I mean, they talked about it all the time, you know, CSI is 95% fake. And people don't yeah. realize that, you know, uh, you know, crime scenes and crime labs and things like that, they are being uh, rented out by warehouses. They're not these posh offices, you know, posh offices with these great computer screens that people can touch things at an instant. If that were the case, if CSI were true, nobody would ever, ever, ever get away with a crime. I mean, think Absolutely. About it. you would never yeah. get away with a crime if CSI were true. So, but the problem is, and then you saw, on the, you know, you saw it leak into jurors' minds when one of the jurors interviewed on the case, Anthony said, well, there had to have been some kind of forensics or fingerprints, and since there was nothing there, she, had, she couldn't have done it, you know, I mean, you, you have, it's like, well, get off CSI, man, it's not all that way, all right? Yeah. I, there's sometimes they're just, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, well, can you get a fingerprint off the steering wheel or whatnot? The, the officer literally looked at me and said, this is not law and order. He goes. I can only get it off of like a window, or maybe this soda can. And he goes, but he goes. I can't get it off all these surfaces. That he goes. This isn't Law and Order. And I had to check myself. Don't they use tape? Maybe. So this, yeah, this maybe happened like twelve <laughs> years ago or something. And he goes, yeah. He goes, he goes. You can't get it off of certain, you know, certain yeah. you know, things. And certain surfaces. And so I'm sitting. There, yeah. And so when I read books and then I see everything is of coincidence, I always kind of look back and I go, you know, whatever happened to having to solve crimes by, you know, actually going and finding clues and having to talk to people and find suspects. But now it seems like everything tries to be so fast and everything is so technology-driven that the main character really doesn't have a lot of work to do until the climax at the end when it's the gun battle. Then they actually have something that they do. But before that point, it's like everything is being done for them by something else. And that's what yeah. I mean by coincidences. So if readers were read books and just count the number of coincidences, like it just happens to be there, or they just happen to get the perfect call at the perfect time and find that perfect thing it's just when they need it, it's like, come on. You know, it doesn't happen that way. It's almost so And I think it's lazy writing. And, John, yes, it's, it's, almost frightening.
1: it's almost frightening to hear you talk about this because you're the publisher, right? So it's like, oh, right. man. So you have to think about yeah, now as, as the author, how many coincidences have I written into my the b- book I'm working on right now, so I'm scouring my mind on my latest work in process, going, "Oh man, what have I done i mean when we
0: saw we saw Stephen King talk about right right when he was writing the book insomnia," and he was yeah. talking about how he was he was trying to get the main character out of his out of their predicament in the in the book Gerald's Game. Well, if you know the book Gerald's Game, it's where the husband had tied up his wife to the bed and they were going to do you know um, some sexual things. Well, all of a sudden the husband passes dies and no one knows that they're there. She's tied to this bed. He said he literally had to tie his daughter the same way and say, okay, can you get out of it doing this? So he's literally having his daughter try to see if she could escape. But instead of t- instead today. It would be a coincidence, and she would be able to, you know, you know yell to Alexa and say, Alexa, call 911, you know, and it just right. happens <laughs> to be working, and the Internet just happens to be on, and, you know, it just happens to get there. And it's like, well, you know, that stuff doesn't happen. I mean, that's, that, that's not – and if it does happen, it's not that interesting. I'm sorry. It's not fun to me when no, technology isn't, solves everything. Easy, yeah. yeah, easy isn't you know, interesting. If you get easy DNA in 15 minutes, who cares? Yeah, it's yeah, boring. I don't right. want DNA in 15 minutes. I want you to work at it. I want the yeah. killer or the, or the, you know, pro, the antagonist. I want them to have a fighting chance of getting away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that makes me weird. When I have, when I have the feeling, maybe they can get away from this. Now, normally they don't, but sometimes they survive and they move on. But I like right. the chance to know they can get away. But Ninety-five percent of the books I pick up now, and I tell you what, I am so tired of reading military thrillers. I can't do it anymore, and I tell yeah. people I just can't do it. I can't see ISIS anymore or any. You know, we have we have ransacked that that and you know that uh, that well, genre. I think we have crushed it into oblivion right now. It's it's terrible, but it keeps selling. So there's nothing well, you can do. But if you're a publisher, you, you you publish it. But if you're a reader, I don't want to read it. So I'm
1: kind of on both sides. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, John, you know, we get, get so much of it in the news, we can just turn it on and see it, and it's yeah. there. It's real, and we don't have to yep. work at reading it. We can just have some face telling us what's happening with ISIS and with Iran and Syria. I mean, Syria. tell us the last five months.
0: I mean, tell us the last five months has literally not been something that has been written in a fiction book, but it's been real. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: I mean, honestly. What the heck I mean, honestly, has happened? I've never, I've never seen – I mean, my first president that I kind of remember is Jimmy Carter, so that lets you delete how old I am. And I remember Jimmy Carter, but I never remember such a turbulent time in a presidency in the first five months ever, ever. Oh. I've never seen this in the history of. I, I mean, I, you see this in third world countries when people, you know, militarily yes. take over the country. But I've never seen it here, and it's like I don't see it getting any better. And that's the scary it's, part. I, that, that yeah, it's
1: disconcerting me. for sure. It's definitely yeah. disconcerting, and it's more interesting than any book that you could pick up oh, of as with oh, of a, a political uh, military. Espionage thriller, yeah. we don't need to read those anymore, right?
0: <laughs> but, you know now, but, you know you, but you know what you're going to find., but but you know what you're going to find, you're going to start finding people that are going to start writing presidents like Trump and you're going to start using Twitter, he's going to start using social media. you're going to start hearing oh, things get mirrored that way. I mean, you're, you're going to start seeing more of the politicians or presidents acting that way in books because okay. it's what they think people are interested, in, and it very might be. But then you're going to see them as villains, and you're going to see them as different people. So they're going to turn it in that way. But you, but you, when you, if you read that genre, start seeing in the next probably eight months, how right. starting in eight months how many villains start you know becoming that way, how many well, presidents start sounding that way.
1: Well, I have uh, somebody you know. that I talked to in just a few weeks ago. His name is Tommy. Oh wait, I'm sorry. He's coming up. His name is. But I talked to him kind of often. Um, it, because he's interesting he works in uh, in virginia and um he uh-huh. is a lawyer in that area and he uh in, he wrote in 2015 mind you he wrote a novel called zero god about this very thing and, and there's a twist it gets a little more you know um brutal sure. and a little more uh devious but um mm-hmm. but he he wrote it before this started to happen because he's been watching. He's been watching Trump uh, because it was yeah. it was a thought. You know, in 2015 he was, or in 2014 Trump was thinking about running. You know, so it, it mm-hmm. came on and and Tommy Burke, um, a great mind, uh, picked it up, picked up on it, and and wrote this novel. And it's called Zero God, and it's fabulous. Right. But um, anyway, but. You know, we're
0: at the 20-minute mark. And I don't blame readers. No, how can you? And and real quick, because I don't don't blame readers because this is all they got to read. I blame publishers because I think publishers are getting lazy and chasing the money. Knowing that I know that you have to stay in business and whatnot, but I think that when you start looking at more indie publishers and some more indie authors and things like that, that's where you're going to start finding the real, real writers instead of the cookie-cutter ones who – have the same synopsis on the back of every cover. This character now they're going up against the most dull, you know, diabolical killer they've ever faced. I'm like, that's bullshit. That's what you said the last five times on the back of your right. cover. It's like think of something new. So yeah. that's why I, I love the indie authors and the ones who step out and you know really take the writing as a craft and really take the writing you know to heart instead of just trying to tell a story to try to make you know a couple bucks. Um, those right. are the real artists in our in our field. Those are the ones who say, "I don't care how much I make. I need to write this." And then you write it, and it's really, really good. And one of the authors I will mention that started out doing that was Marcus Sakey, um, S-A-K-E-Y. If you ever read one of those books, any one of his, I mean, you want to talk about thought, Marcus Marcus Sakey, S-A-K-E-Y, and he's very popular. But will you read one of his books? I mean, his order. I mean, you want to talk about thought for broking. I mean, he will literally make you think, and you're like, "This is different than a thriller book. I actually have to think instead of everything being handed to me." So, um, Isn't he's a great right? guy. I mean, we've talked to him for a couple times. Yeah. So,
1: and I have you know, to, I again, have to,
0: yeah. You gotta find them. That's the problem. You have to you find them first. Him. And if you and, and that, if you go in Barnes and Noble and you're only picking the books on the front shelf, then all you're gonna read are the most popular authors, and you're gonna read the same story over and over and over and over again. All you're and do. some
1: people like so that. You have to some search people it like out. that. Yeah, but they some do. some readers like that. That's what they want, which is
0: they do. you know, it, it, for people but there's a like lot of me. There's a lot of dollar ninety nine Kindle books though that it's a dollar ninety nine that twelve ninety nine and a lot of twelve ninety nine books should be free. So <laughs> <laughs> a, you gotta look at that too.
1: You are honest, and I have to tell you, John, I think you're the first Person on my show that um, mentioned Lillian Bobbitt and her husband's penis. There we go. There that's you go. Women are
0: just diabolical. <laughs> I mean, that scares the hell out of me. It I'm is diabolical. You know. I mean, of course it's diabolical. So any man who can't think, think that a woman can't, you know, write something that's like diabolical, just remember they can do diabolical things, so they can write them too. You know, and we can say diabolical.
1: Instinct. How how many you times know, do you think we can things, say diabolical?
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, she was pretty mean in basic instinct, but, you know, so I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, would we can, a woman, we... I would rather, you know, a woman write a woman than kind of a man trying to write, you know, of of a mean woman. I think that that kind of sometimes falls falls apart, but, yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, we can get mean, that's for sure. Anyway, <laughs> But this is on a that note. Season. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for being on the show. It's been great talking with you. And your your radio shows are not crime and science any longer, but um, storybender. Yeah, and to, beyond the cover. You just go to Blog talk. Just go
0: to suspense suspensemagazine okay. and then you'll find them all.
1: Okay. And and, and it's suspense yeah. magazine for sure. And okay, yep. perfect. Yep. Oh That's yay! It. That's wonderful. Thank you so much right. for being on the show. This has been hysterically fun. you, Susan. Fun. You
0: have a good one. Appreciate it. You too. Take
1: care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye bye. So everybody, that was John Robb with Suspense Magazine, and you can find him at SuspenseMagazine.com and um, and uh, uh, on Blog Talk Radio as well, sus- forward slash Suspense Magazine, and you can find all of his sh- his uh, radio shows there. But you, but also with Suspense Magazine, he has a publishing arm to that to his business, and that's what he's talking about. As far as publishing, he also publishes novels. Um, You can find him on Facebook and Twitter and all of those places where everybody hangs out these days. And you can find me, too, at SusanWingate.com and on Facebook and Twitter and all of those crazy spots. I'm social, too, so check me out. Anyway, um, hey, this has been a ball. Until Tuesday next week. Bye-bye.